Right. Well, we might as well get started. People filter in, hopefully, uh, as we get going. Our, our last group was like that. We only had one person, and then about 15 minutes in, everybody started popping in. <laughs> um, so, yeah. All right. Um, interestingly, that we're going through the, the ladder here, and um, Perdition has uh, a lot of interesting topics in there, right? <laughs> Got quite a bit of fun information and uh, things to, to ponder and consider. Um, but uh, I <laughs> I see that my mom just unmuted. You're probably trying to remind me of prayer, right? <laughs> yep, I just remembered myself. It's always the thing that I forget to do. <laughs> but but yeah. Um, uh, I'll go ahead and, and offer it. I, I feel bad. I always like calling on people and sometimes I double call on them and stuff, but um, I'll go ahead and, and say our prayer to start with. <laughs> our dear Heavenly Father, we're grateful for all of our many blessings, grateful for the opportunity to study together and to, to learn and grow in our understanding of Isaiah, uh, this great prophet, and the revelations from the through him for our day. We're grateful for the the imagery and the symbolism, the uh, higher learning that we can have through Isaiah and his words, and for Avraham's uh, time and attention to list these things out for us. We ask for thy spirit to be with us, that we might uh, have our eyes opened, that the spirit may speak to our minds and hearts, and that we may deepen our understanding and wisdom, uh, that we may be able to apply these lessons and um, have faith and hope on our uh, ascent up the ladder that we may constantly be looking for ways to minister to others and um, that we may recognize our ministering angels that are uh, helping us ascend. We're so grateful for all that thou dost for us, for thy son Jesus Christ and his atoning sacrifice that makes all of this possible. And we say these things in the name of thy son Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so diving in, we, we've got a lot of um, interesting uh, topics here, but um, so I just like to, to hear from everyone. What has been your experience with learning kind of the, the topic listed on page 53, where we have a starting point, then we have this humiliation and then exaltation um, for, for those that are ascending the ladder versus um, those that are descending, they they self-exalt and then end up in uh, humiliation. What does that process look for you, like for you? And um, is this like a new concept? I know it was for me, but it has literally changed everything, my, my whole paradigm on um, how to look at trials, etc. Especially studying Abraham and his life and, and those tests and trials that, that he went through and looking at at our lives, um, I found this pattern of the humiliation before the exaltation very eye-opening. Um, if anybody wants to, to share on that, their, their experiences, um, learning that principle. Um, if not, I can babble on some more. <laughs> well, I find it, I find it, um, comforting and reassuring that as I am going through a, a trial that it has a purpose and 
and what that purpose is there, you know, it almost makes you excited for the almost makes you excited for the trial to be able to do that ascent thing. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it makes you look at trials in a lot different light. Lisa did for me. Yeah, knowing that all ascensions or all exaltations require some sort of descent was kind of game changing for me. Like, oh, okay. So um, any given test or thing that's that's hard, it's not necessarily that I've done something wrong and that God's punishing me kind of thing, but um, uh, a fact that there's a, a test or a trial there. I just need to face it head on with faith and I'll come out on the other side just fine. <laughs> uh, that was huge for me uh, learning this. But um, uh, we'll see all throughout the book, all throughout the ladder, that that's just the pattern and it just makes so much sense once you can see the pattern you start recognizing it in stories and, and scriptures and just everywhere that, that that's just how the lord works um that's why we have agency and that's why we have two conflicting choices a lot of times and uh, the descent before the ascent uh, it's very comforting <laughs> even though it, it's a hard one but we never know our our tests and trials and how we're going to to fare on them but that's what the whole thing's about right <laughs> sometimes yeah. we we come out of a trial or a test or whatever and go oh man i just failed that one pretty good but whatever give it to me again well we'll try <laughs> it for the 150th time you know i love that um so in our last group, we uh, kind of went over the, on page 48, the servant-tyrant parallelism and um, all of those uh, parallels there between the tyrant and this end-time servant. And I found that that was very interesting to, to go through, um, that basically we're just looking for the opposites. Uh, just imagine the, the, the best, most good version of uh, our perception of God, Christ, and then take the opposite, and that's what uh, Satan, tradition, the tyrant is. Um, how we can study the antithesis to learn more about uh, our our topic, kind of thing. I, I found that very interesting to to go through. That uh, figure twenty one there on page forty eight was was a very good deep dive study into the antichrist versus this end time servant and what to expect in the last days isaiah saw our day and threw it all out there so that we could um pick up on these things to, to recognize those I, I love them uh-huh well i <clears throat> I find it that comforting too. It's like if we were just told that the end times were gonna just be harder than heck, I mean, ridiculously hard, you just like worrying like what? You don't know what to expect. But here it lays it out what the arc tyrant's gonna be like, what he's gonna be doing. And it lays out what um, Jehovah and, and um, 
the end time servants going to be doing to help us uh, through that. And it's very comforting as we head into that because we are headed in. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's, I like no one. Just makes me <laughs> yeah. know that, okay, yeah, I can recognize this as it comes along. This is, this is pretty yucky. But uh, knowing that uh, if we repent, and then um, Jesus Christ has our back and, and he, he will help us. And the anti and he has the end time servant to help us as well, and and we'll we'll get through it okay. Yeah, for sure. Like we don't have to be blindsided by it. We can yeah. be if we just don't open our minds and and search the yeah. scriptures. But yeah. um, even though we know it's going to be painful and hard, it, it's still good knowing that it's coming and how to kind of prepare for it. So, yeah. And. Uh, kind of like on, on the previous page, like 47, 48, it talks about this, um, this idea of deception. And um, because of self-deception, it opens the door for deception by others. The art tyrant will easily beguile a self-deceived world. And how much do we see that? I mean, we're, we're always talking about it, right? In, in Sunday school and, and everything about how many of our friends and family are falling away from the church for, for what, to us seems like stupid reasons, but um, for, for them, they're very real um, conflicts or, or conundrums to, to pass through. Um, but but self-deception is, is a huge problem of the end times. Even the very elect will be deceived. And so I think that that's you know, important to note that as we're, we're moving along and uh, ministering in our own ways, that that we can help recognize deception early on so that we can help others thwart that and likewise uh, we would hope that those ministering to us uh, that are above us on the ladder are doing the same helping us to to avoid deception and how do we avoid deception by studying the scriptures and, and really knowing what they actually say what's really there for us right because it seems like a lot of the ones at least the ones that i know of don't root themselves in the scriptures they just fall away because of, of doctrinal disputes or church history or what have you because they don't have daily prayer and, and scripture study as, as their base like that's the thing that's going to make us get through all of these things is good solid testimonies because you know we're not going to know everything it that, that's kind of the plan to, to go by faith rather than a perfect knowledge of, of all these things. And so that, that deception is, is huge and how it's prophesied to us will um, help us recognize and prepare for the deceptions to come. So I want you all to teach me about on page 49 where this twin representation of Jehovah and his servant. So Jehovah being salvation and God's servant being righteousness. I don't know. Like, I get it, but I know that I don't get it fully. So there, there's a lot there. If anyone has any great explanation, I would love to. 
Cameron, would you mind asking that question one more time? I was distracted with something. What was your question? Oh yeah, for sure. So on page 49, okay. figure 22, the twin representation of Jehovah and his servant, where Jehovah is salvation and God's servant is righteousness. So when um, it talks about that a little bit above as well, where um, it's the Jehovah's the personification of salvation and God's servant is often called righteousness. Um, but when we're using those words, those are actually kind of titles for him or, or something. Anyway, it's kind of a confusing concept for me, but um, I'm new to Isaiah. So bring it on. What you got? <laughs> Cameron, you know, one of the things that we really need to think about is we, when we are given the minute qualities of each representative, whether it be the, the Lord's representative or the arch tyrant, most people will not be able to distinguish the difference between either or, or the arch tyrant will be much more pleasing to their senses and to their sensibilities than the, than the end time servant would be, or even, even the savior. So if we know what the face looks like behind the mask, so when the mask shows up, we'll be able to see, we'll be able to make that picture of what's behind the mask and we won't be deceived. Unfortunately, um, when we see what's behind the mask, then all of a sudden now we begin to look at every per, every person with the mask to see if they fit that qualification. So sometimes um, being blissfully ignorant is a real term, but in the end, by by knowing what's behind the mask and and what uh, and being able to distinguish the fruits of the tree we can in the long run be kept from a whole lot of excess pain and we won't be deceived and we'll know which one we really need to follow yeah i love that and i i think the fruits of the tree that's where we need to really kind of focus on, right? With those um, is what are the true end fruits of the tree? In the short run, the tyrant may look like he's uh, the plans that the world has may be, um, oh, well, this will get us back to normal or it'll, it'll make this easier or that easier or whatever. But ultimately, what are the fruits? Mm -hmm. Wow. Oh. But it, you asked about the servant and Jehovah, right? Righteousness and salvation. Mm -hmm. I see them as levels, right? Mm -hmm. So the servant is righteous, and but he does not have the power to save. Jehovah has the power to save. Okay. But together, the two of them will get us through the end times. Mm -hmm. so that's yeah yeah that's great because you know i'm i'm new to to avraham's uh, interpretations etc and stuff and i don't know for some reason i kept reading that page and i'm just like okay like i get it but i know that i'm missing something still you know like <laughs> with the gift of discernment it, it comes like oh you're missing a lot here you're, you're gonna want to spend some time <laughs>
but yeah, I, I love the, the whole fruit uh, thing that, that both of you mentioned that um, as we, as we start to, to kind of wake up to uh, more advanced gospel topics, etc., as we deepen our learning, it, it's interesting who got us there and, and if they're, um, you know, still on, on the covenant path. I know that uh, some of my, my old previous YouTubers that I, I used to watch and stuff have kind of went off in, in La La Land. Some of them, some of them are great still. Um, but, you know, we're not supposed to lean on, on other people, but, you know, as they help other people ascend, etc., uh, we can uh, learn from, from each other. But it, it's amazing that the fruits, just like you said, the fruits are, are where you can, can see things. Are they leading people to listen to our prophet, to um, follow the, the counsels of our, our leaders and, and Christ? Or do they kind of have their own way to go about things? Um, uh, one of my, my friends um, uh, says that, that she... Uh, talks to, to Heavenly Mother, and, and she told her she doesn't have to wear her garments anymore. It's like, did you get that? Like, how, how does that even, <laughs> I don't, where, where's the fruits? Like, if any well, of the fruits lead you away from Christ, or away from covenants, etc., <laughs> where, where do you go? One of the things that I have noticed is that the, the followers of Christ and Jesus himself says, you're going to have tribulations, but I will help you endure them and see you through them. The, the opposition does things to tell you that you won't have to go through tribulations. I'm going to protect you from it. If you follow the things I want, you won't have to endure those things. Mm -hmm. So this, this is, is, is part of that fruit. You know, everybody wants to say, well, no, I don't want to have any pain. So I really want to go with the guy that's going to promise me I'm not going to have any pain. And the Savior said that there has to be sacrifices made. And, and the pain in the, in the trial is not a punishment, but it is a learning experience. And if the adversary keeps you from having that learning experience, you remain ignorant. Mm -hmm. And you remain uh tied to him because he you're he's preventing you from feeling pain so this is part of the the deception this is the the evil irony so to speak of of the tests because we do need to have each one of us needs to have a zion's camp mm -hmm. and and those people who go through life promising you don't have to have a zion's camp if you just follow me we will make you, we will make you whatever it is you want to be, and you won't have to go through it. It's like, I'll give you the paycheck, but you don't even have to come into work. <laughs> you know, that would be suspicious, or government, <laughs> <laughs> which is suspicious. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I love that whole uh, topic there. The, the fruit, uh, where it's out. Um, Cameron, this mm -hmm. kind of makes me think about our Come Follow Me um, lesson this last week. 
um, where there was the message about um, that, you know, the saints were asked to go to the Ohio and, do, and they were asked that in December, you know, the worst part of the year generally to make that move and sacrifice and, you know, and there's nothing there for them to go to, but more cold and no homes, whatever. So the ultimate sacrifice, but basically it's like um, the Ohio is where they're going to get the law and the covenant, right? So they have to go through basically giving up all for a sacrifice in order to be sanctified. And we, you know, that, that sacrifice was necessary to go through sanctification. So, um, so that they could receive the law, you know, and, um, I forgot what I was going to say about that. How that, how this, uh, <laughs> I forgot how I was going to say this, how this, um, applies. Help me. <laughs> um, I do that all the time. I'm glad it happens. The Lord <laughs> wasn't going to take them away, take the trial away from him. In fact, when he told him to do it, it was, making the trial a little bit extra harder yes but he also knew he also knew that that those saints would be stronger and well prepared for the covenant and for the law of consecration once they yeah. got there yes and then the faith there actually it strengthens faith interestingly you know um and yeah it's a preparation for godhood so yeah anyway just he was giving that. them the power through faith mm -hmm. to be able to endure and to be able to be mature yeah and spiritually mature. you know i i've been thinking about how i hate the cold so bad like <laughs> i can go hungry i can clean disgusting sewery toilet stuff all that you know but I just don't want to be cold and I don't, I, I, you know, <laughs> so, um, but to give up conveniences and all the comforts, you know, is, um, physically and, um, you know, anyway, as well as all the emotional stuff trials, but it truly does refine us. And, um, anyway, yeah, but when you get the call out, we know where you're going. You're going up to Alaska, right? <laughs> you're going to be in I know, the <laughs> right? Because of that very thing. He's going up into the mountains. Where yes. it's cold. And I have to make a fire and it's wet. Wet yeah. and cold is awful. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> okay. But yes, the... I just really appreciate the come follow me and um, know that I believe so much. I liked what whoever you said this, that, you know, it's the, the perfect analogy is getting a paycheck without work um, is basically what this, how we can tell um, if it's from the Lord or not, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and that's the part that's most appealing to the masses. I don't have to work, but I still get to paycheck. Yeah. But this seems like God, if he sees our hard work and labor, he likes to give us a bonus. You know? God's effort. Yeah. Right? Right. And he'll magnify our effort. 
Yeah. But we still got to put forth the effort. Yeah. We provide the loaves and fishes and he provides the miracle. Yeah. Love it. So speaking of blessings there, on page 51, um, it talks about two different things that I find very interesting in that first paragraph. Um, let's see. It says the two parallel verses in the servant tyrant parallelism, for example, show that the suffering savior receives an honorable burial which is a covenant blessing, whereas the arch tyrant receives no burial, which is a covenant curse. So I find that very interesting. Is that a divine law? Like if we are um, living all of our covenants, are we guaranteed an honorable burial? Because I mean, look at some of like the pioneers that were sacrificing in the cold and um, were those honorable burials or uh, do I need to readjust my definition of an honorable burial, for example? Like, like Joseph Smith, a martyr. Like, I didn't think that that was an honorable burial for, for many years. Um, like, what kind of paradigm shifts have you had to, to wrestle with as, as you contemplated that, um, that principle there? As part of uh, a covenant blessing is an honorable burial. I, that one I, I'm still wrapping my head around, but I mean, well, it, makes, it tastes good, but there seems <laughs> the to be honorable some burial. The honorable burial will be that you may not be put in the ground, but people will miss you, and you, mm. your absence will make a big impact in people's life. Okay, and and people will bless your name, and they will pray for you and your eternal spirit. The end times tyrant, he is going to, everybody who has ever been affected by him, when he is killed, they won't think twice about him. They'll, they'll all be glad he's gone. In fact, they just as soon walk away from his court. And that's what the, the dishonor is. And that's, that's all because that is the seeds which he has planted. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I like that. <clears throat> And then um, on the next line there, it says the next parallel verses show <clears throat> that the suffering savior has offspring, also a covenant blessing, whereas the arch tyrant has no offspring, a covenant curse. And so, I mean, there's many different levels of understanding on, on that as well. But if, if we're talking here, the servant plus the savior being uh, parallels of each other, that, that's a pretty distinct um, witness there that the Savior did um, have marriage and posterity while in this life, or else um, that covenant blessing would not uh, stick or, or, or have residence there. So, uh, yeah, like obviously to me, it, it seems obvious, but um, uh, I think that that's just another witness of that, of this uh, tyrant servant parallelism uh, to, to testify of Christ and, and his literal posterity do you do you think that <clears throat> is literal that he has offspring like that, based on this or just in general because like i i definitely think in general like many things point to that but um i i think that this is is kind of crouched in um a symbolic parallelism so that you know those that are are ready for it get it but it's not super apparent you know kind of thing because i know i 
I find myself guessing who the arc tyrant is and and two of the top of my list, they have offspring, so that puts them out. <laughs> but there's what there's one that doesn't. And so that I, I don't know, I just I oh, just now you have me curious, Darlene. Now I want to know who's on your list. <laughs> you know, that the this, it's not always the same guy. It's kind of like in the movie uh, The Matrix, you know, Mister S- or uh, Mister Smith. Smith always changes to fill whoever's in that space. Now, I think that's one of the things that the arch tyrant was going to do is he'll be using several different people to be his hands and his feet and his mouthpiece. Yeah. And but the Lord, the Lord will only use one. And he will support and provide um, sustenance, sust, uh, sustaining for that that mouthpiece. Whereas the arch tyrant and and the the adversary will just use them as if they were spent bullets, mm. and that that's part of the thing. So as far as having offspring, um, you know that that's a does he produce? something that will want to do his bidding. I get the feeling that even if the arch tyrant had offspring, each one of them would want to do their own bidding. As mm. soon as they get out from underneath the daddy's thumb, they're going to do run things their own way because that is the, that is the spirit that he taught them. And that is the, um, and, and that's the ideas that they're going to have. In fact, I would venture to say that even if the offspring began to show qualities that did not go along with dad, then it is not unheard of the kings to have their sons and daughters slaughtered because they feared their own offspring. Yeah. So that could be one thing as well. Interesting. Well, and it could be the fact that the tyrant's not going to have the eternal increase. He's not going to have eternal offspring you know might have it temporarily in this world but he's not going to have any to go forward right he won't create them he'll just take on something that's already created Mm -hmm. yeah that that makes sense i love them (laughs) i mean i was so wrapped up in the fact that oh this testifies as the savior having offspring that i wasn't even considering the opposite whereas the arch time doesn't spring in that covenant curse there I, i love that whole discussion well i think all of these things we can look at it both ways right Mm-hmm. We can look at what it is that the savior will have and what the servant will have because the end time servant is a different person, right? So we can look at the positives that they'll have and we can flip it around and use that to help identify um, who the tyrant is mm-hmm. and to recognize the tyrant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when he stepped on the scene, because I think it's in this chapter, I could be wrong though, but um that it says that the arch tyrant will be one of the first things that happens right that uh it's one of the first scenarios that plays out in isaiah's depiction i can't remember where that's at but what page but anyway it's somewhere in there that 
uh, that's one of the first things to recognize would, would be when the art tyrant stepped on the scene. So here's a thought that I had. Um, you know, the title of this chapter is the arch tyrant candidate for perdition. What do we know about those who are the sons of perdition? In order to qualify to be the son, a son of perdition, they have to have known all the right stuff. Yeah. Right? And then actually chosen the wrong. to go counter to. Mm -hmm. So when we're looking at who might be the arch tyrant and what, you know, might be that, you know, you have to stop and go, well, wait a minute. Did this person ever know all of the right stuff? Did they, were they ever taught the right stuff? Yeah. You know, and yeah. then have they gone the other way and chosen the Satan's plan, even though they know the Lord's plan and Christ's plan? Mm -hmm. And what is the, the archtyrant, the antichrist, able to do in the end times? He's able to do many seemingly priestly things. Like, mm -hmm. uh, it would make sense that he would have the, the priesthood or, or something like that. And that's why I have my theories on a good candidate for that. But yet, uh, with the whole posterity thing, that doesn't tie in. So it throws a, a wrench in that mix. But but I like what but you said that about that the posterity and priest. Yeah, it could be that eternal posterity, right? It's that, you know, they might have posterity now. They might even think they're going to have posterity in the hereafter. But then when they change that, those blessings are lost. And now they don't have posterity anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, let's see. What else did we do? All right. So... Um, you who's versed in uh, Abraham Gileadi stuff, I, I find it very interesting these these patterns of Sinai covenant, Abrahamic covenant, and Davidic covenant. Right um, on page fifty six, we we see some of those coming into play. Davidic covenant was a whole new thing for me. I had never heard about that before Gileadi's works, and um, I find that it's literally everywhere and we need to know it it's very essential for for our progression as we become kings and queens and um anyway i i love that but yet i know how much i'm lacking on it like holy cow there there's so much more there i know there is and it's going to take some time and effort to, to really sacrifice for that knowledge kind of thing but um anyway as it's talking through this chapter that each level of the ladder has its own laws or its own statutes to live by. And um, I find that very interesting. Coming from, from President Nelson, who's you know the great law-abiding citizen that loves to study divine law, how things work, and how to get blessings by following laws. And so it's like, oh, well, if I want to ascend the ladder, what's the next highest form of of uh, abiding the law that I need to keep, you know, kind of thing. So I find that very intriguing. And uh, so I was just doing a study on um, on laws and on covenants um, this week. Anyway, so this is not in any way like a, uh, I think I figured it out kind of thing, but this is a chart in progress that I, I would love everyone's kind of like opinion on coming from this um, 
perspective, I guess you'd say. I'm just taking a screenshot of it so I can share it real quick. I love your charts, Cameron. You always have <laughs> great charts. So I'm always here, you know, going, let me take a picture. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. If oh my, that's great. <laughs> All right. So we have these different covenants. And um, so the, the main ones that we're focusing on here in Isaiah Decoded are the, the most, well, like kind of in the middle, Abrahamic, Sinai, and Davidic. And so each one has a signer token, promised blessings and requirements that, that are associated with them. But I have a hard time like putting into words the Davidic covenant uh, with the, the promised blessings, etc. cetera. But um, just because I, I don't fully get the, 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 the scope of it. But um, in essence, it's like a kingship thing as we um, enter into this emperor vassal relationship and and take on as we take on a stewardship uh, over people and, and their salvation kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not eloquent with putting that into words, so I just put kingship. <laughs> but um, anyway, those are all of the references where those covenants are found. And um, my main thing is I would love any ideas on if these tie into any of the, the ladders or, or any of the rungs of Isaiah's ladder. Because obviously, perdition doesn't enter into to these covenants. But um, which covenants fit into to which rungs of the ladder? Or do they all fit in just on varying levels of obedience kind of a thing? Does that make sense? I don't know. I'm bumbling on my words, but um, I to see this kind of charted out helps me to somewhat put it in into perspective because I really want to ascend the ladder, but for good purposes so that I can better help God's children minister better. But just in general, for my own personal progression what kind of higher laws do I need to, to live in order to, to please God and become a better instrument in his hands kind of a thing. And I, I'm wondering if anything on this chart is, is helpful to, to ascend, for lack of a better word, kind of a thing. I don't know. So, so Cameron, um, there's a couple of things that go together with that that I, that I see. Mm -hmm. In conference last fall, we were told to study the attributes of Christ, right? right? And to try to become like him. What is it that he did for us, right? And you, you do that, hold that to the side, and then let's look at the Davidic covenant. Now, Avraham did an entire presentation on the Davidic covenant. Um, oh, I just was, need to point you to that one. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. But um, basically what it used to be, you know, when they had a king, the king was responsible for the sins of all of his people. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so the king would go and, and, um, offer the sacrifice or do the thing or, or whatever. And, and we, we see, we see bits and pieces of that in different cultures around the world, right? Um, although what they've done is because the king doesn't want to be responsible and the king doesn't want to have to pay the price, they usually say, okay, let's let's find some poor sap who's not one of my subjects and 
we're going to kill him off, right? We talked about that in Abraham. Yeah. So it, that's that's kind of the way it was. Um, the Lord wanted people to be able to choose from themselves, but what happened with the Israelites is they didn't want to choose for themselves. They wanted Moses to do it all for them, right? You go and you you go and you talk to the Lord. You go and do these things, and we'll do this. And so that that kind of set up that that two layers. You have the the king who is at the higher level, who is responsible for his people, who's the one who is um, responsible for them being taught the truth and then being righteous. And you can see what happens when you have a righteous king or you have an unrighteous king. I mean, look at what happened with King Noah in the Book of Mormon. You had an unrighteous king and where did he lead his people and how long did it take them to come back from that? But then when you have a righteous king like Mosiah and, and King, king Benjamin, Benjamin. King Benjamin went through all of that trouble to make sure that before he left, that they, all of his children and all the people in his kingdom knew what the gospel of Jesus Christ and what the right thing was, because otherwise he could not go to his grave feeling spotless. So he truly took upon himself the sins of his people, which is kind of like a type and shadow of what the Savior did. Mm -hmm. And David himself was always a chosen vessel. He was like dad's favorite so to speak, you know, and David did all kinds of stuff and the Lord still blessed him. And David knew he was, he was foiled and he was, he was a human, but he was, he was always willing to repent. And, and even when, even when uh, he and got a hold of uh, uh, the idea of Bathsheba, you know, he, he wanted to repent, but somehow he just feel like he, it just kept it getting worse he, as he tried to get it fixed out. You know, let's get this doll taken care of. And then it just got worse. Well, it just kind of blew up in his face. That's because he didn't want to repent because he didn't want to confess. Well, yeah, he didn't. And he, he endeavored to hide his sins and that's where it ended up. But, but that's, that's where you're at. Um, when King Mosiah, who gave the Nephites the, the judges, right? Said, we're not going to have a king anymore, you know, because none of my sons want it. We're going to go to this system of judges. That actually was a higher level for the people because now they were responsible for themselves. Before the kings were responsible for the sins of their people, now the people are responsible for themselves. If you mm. look at our current situation with our constitution and with our laws and the things we have in our country, we are responsible for ourselves. We don't have a king. We can't say, well, I'm just following the king. It's all his fault. You can't hold me accountable. Um, although there are a lot of people now that want to do that, right? And so you're going to have, you know, this arch tyrant's going to come in and be the counterfeit of the savior. The savior truly is the king who took everybody's sins upon him and, and really did pay for it. And then you're going to have the arch tyrant who's going to counterfeit that because that's the way Satan works is he counterfeits everything good. And he's going to say, well, I'll make it so you don't have sins because if there isn't a sin, then there's no price you have to pay. And, and, and that's going to seem, um, it's going to seem 
pleasant and inviting to an awful lot of people. The same people who would not want to go up the mountain to see the Lord themselves, but would want to send Moses because they're too afraid. Or the people who would want to have a king be responsible so that they didn't have to be responsible. It's that blissful ignorance. If, if I don't learn this and I don't know it, I can't be held responsible and accountable for it. Plausible yeah. deniability. We yeah. have so much of that in the world and in the church today. People don't want to hear it. They don't want to know. Don't tell me. I don't want to talk about that. Don't tell me about this stuff because then I have to actually do something about it. And I, I'm not, I don't want to do that. That's too hard. It's, it's, it's easier just to have my head in the sand and, and everything's good. Mm -hmm. Makes me think, sorry to interrupt this, but I've got these two, these two ATM cards that came as a, um, you know, from the government. I, I didn't ask for it. It wasn't like I applied for anything. I didn't, um, you know, I'm doing fine. I mean, of course I would love to um, put it in the bank or whatever. I guess everybody got them. I don't know, uh, whatever, but it's making me feel uncomfortable. Like, I don't, I wonder how, and this is maybe a personal thing and you don't have to answer this, but you know, I'm here alone and I don't know how to, who to talk to about it, but it's just not feeling very comfortable to go to use it and cash it. But you know what I mean? Um, I guess everybody so you, else is. You're talking about the stimulus checks, yeah. the stimulus money? Yeah. Okay. Well, we looked at the stimulus money as um, a blessing from the Lord because oh. the, the Lord has been providing all sorts of things for us. We're doing what it is the Lord has asked us to do. And the money from those came in just at the time we needed it, just when we needed it. And then we used that to help do more things that the Lord has asked us to do, right? We didn't take it and go on vacations or to spend it willy-nilly on whatever. Um, we used it to get the things the Lord has asked us to prepare. So we looked at it as a um, as a way the Lord is helping us survive what's coming. You know, the government wants to, you know, give out all sorts of money. And I think it's going to backfire big time. But yeah. if those who are aware of the Lord's plan and know what's coming, do something judicious with it and um, This helps you prepare to have commodities and other things in your possession for your sustaining where money will be useless. Mm -hmm. So that's and that a good way to look case. at it. Okay. That's so that's thanks. what we did with ours. We used it to add to our food storage or our emergency supplies or, you know, mm -hmm. To, to get something that would help us do that. Or um, we used it to buy things for our garden, you know, things okay. like that. Yeah. That, right. that we can then use to further what the Lord has asked us to do. And if you take the funds and you consecrate it to the Lord and then ask him, what would you have me use it for? He'll let you know. I'll tell you. That's, I like that. Okay, thank you. Oh, I'm glad I asked. I'm sorry, that was just a little off topic, kind of related. No. But. That's all a part. It's all about consecration. It's all about the laws that we're being taught to, to live. Um, yeah. So just getting the paycheck without working kind of thing is, you know, 
So, okay. Yeah, Sorry I totally understand more. like that, uh, that, that that dichotomy there because like mine too ended up as, as a huge blessing. Um, my my business went through a crazy weird turn of events where my wholesaler was, was duping me for a few weeks and wasn't telling me about it and sending out products that were awful. And I had to switch all of that over. And, and anyway, it was a nightmare. And I was like, where am I going to come up with this money to, to help make things right with my customers? Mm-hmm. And that, that money was in, in the bank the next day. And I was like, okay, Heavenly Father, uh, just for, just to confirm, uh, you want me to use this for this, right? <laughs> but it worked out perfect to almost the dollar. Uh, and it, anyway, it saved my bacon. Um, but uh, I would have loved to do food storage, etc., with it because that's still lacking on my plate. But um, uh, very interesting how the Lord can use that same money for different people in different ways, according to their circumstances. And it's all about seeking to hear him and what he wants you to do with it. Um, but, but yeah, very interesting. I love hearing people's testimonies of stimulus checks. It's kind of interesting because everybody has their own, uh, uh, story on it. And, and I like that where, um, you, you talked about, well, you know, it's, it's just this check. I got money for nothing. What am I supposed to do with that? Is it right? Is it whatever? But, you know, maybe the, uh, the Lord has, has something in, in store, uh, for that and and it's yet to to be revealed and this is actually a test yeah it's actually a test the lord is sending us he's telling us to be prepared yeah. and to get prepared through the prophet and then he says all right now i'm going to send you uh seven years of plenty so that you can store up your corn yeah okay now right. if you store the corn and or you provide for your your future with the money then that's great. That's what the Lord wants you to do. But there are many people who are taking that and living high on the hog or, or enjoying and, and having something that they can have in their hand today, but will be worthless or gone tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And that's where the Lord is saying, I'm giving everybody this and everybody has their agency to do what they want with it. Yeah. So many, so many people have said, well, I can't afford food storage, right? How many of us have heard people say that? Well, we're a young couple. We can't afford food storage or we don't have the money to get food storage or how would we get food storage without going into debt? And now we have, the government is dropping this money into our laps. Are they then saying, well, now I can get my food storage and I don't have to go into debt for it because I've been given this money. Are they doing that or not? So whereas were there words saying, I can't, don't have food storage because I didn't have the money? Was that just lip service mm-hmm. or did, was it really their intent? And I think the Lord, at this, the Lord is doing this or allowing this so that we can put our money where our mouth is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is totally a test. Will we be obedient to what we've been told to do when the means have been provided to us? Mm-hmm. Great. And, and Cameron, if you were told to use it for that, then that's what you're supposed to use it for. Our mm-hmm. neighbors, they have five kids. So they got a really, really big check. <laughs> um, I need to be you friends. Know, think about that. Well, <laughs> even the first check, even the first check, right? The yeah. first check that they got last fall was even a pretty decent sized check. 
And they were like, okay, what are we going to do with this? They felt that they were supposed to get a truck. And they looked and they found a truck that was within $100 of the amount of money that that check was. And it was just perfect. And it has been really, it's been a blessing for them. And they've been like, okay, Lord, we already had two cars. We only have two drivers. What are we supposed to do with this truck? Why do we have this truck? And, and they came and they said, here we were talking to the Lord, asking why did we need to get this truck? And our name came to their mind. And I'm going, what? You know, because we had talked about, do we need to get a truck? And we had actually, we were this close to getting a truck. You know, do we need to get a truck? No, we need to get something else. Are we supposed to look at a truck? No, we're supposed to look at something else. No, we're supposed to spend it on something else. Now, they haven't given us a truck, but they're giving us a key. Anytime you need the truck, it's sitting here in the driveway. It's like we have a truck without having to pay insurance. I mean, hello? <laughs> <laughs> it's a small taste of the law of consecration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what the, that is what the Lord. That's what the Lord does, right? When we listen to Him, and we ask Him, "Okay, we have this thing that you had us get. What do we do with it?" He knows, and and we don't need a truck all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Just occasionally, we're like, "Okay, well, it would be nice to have a truck. We could do this," yeah. and. And, and now it's, oh, great. That's fabulous, right? Yeah, exactly. So the money that comes in to all the different people, it, they're blessings for different things. But that's, again, we have to hear him and we have to ask. So many people are like, oh, I know what I'm going to spend this on. <laughs> and they don't ask. Yeah. So anyway, now, you know, now that we're way off of Isaiah, <laughs> i know i was just like looking at, at some of this stuff as we're kind of uh, like four minutes away and i'm like okay so how to tie this back in a little bit I it off. <laughs> but yes i mean this chapter is blessings. they're all covenant blessings yeah not uh, covenant curses right when you when you are following the lord's plan and you're asking him and you're doing what he's asked you to do then you get the blessings. Mm-hmm. Yes. If you don't do it, then what will come later will be the covenant curses, which are the absence of the blessing. Mm-hmm. So when things go really sideways, those who have listened to the Lord will have the blessing of their food or their storage or something like that. And those who didn't won't have that blessing. And that will seem like a curse to them. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, Tied it back. Sure. Perfect. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, this this chapter is is quite extensive, and you know it's it's on perdition, but yet um, it, there's a lot of basic principles that we'll see throughout Isaiah in it. Um, it it's a great one to come back to because um, I have another Isaiah uh, book club thing that I was uh, doing through the Isaiah Institute and. Um, we're, I don't know, we started on like four or something a little bit ago. Anyway, so coming back to, to this chapter was so enlightening. It's like, oh, now I can see 
how this all ties into the this level and this level up the ladder. So we'll we'll be kind of revisiting some of these these topics as we uh, keep going, but it's very different from the Abraham book because there's so much packed into every single chapter here in Isaiah decoded. So many different uh, concepts and um, composites and parallelisms, etc. But um, uh, it's very interesting how how different each of the <laughs> the groups. Uh, take the conversation and and what we're learning and, and growing through. I, I encourage everyone to to look at the other groups and, and listen to, to them as well. Um, but yeah, it, it's always fun to, to study together and uh, get so much out of it because I mean, like I learned how many new things just from, from this group, uh, the, that salvation and righteousness principle and the Davidic covenant, etc. Um, we, we all have different uh, backgrounds on this learning and uh, it's very helpful to uh, bounce ideas off each other and um, get that. Uh, I'll put that chart on, on learning Zion and stuff. I would love more feedback on that if, if it's making sense, if it's right, if you have anything else to add or correct on it. I'd love opinions. Um, but yeah, we, we didn't even get to the America part, but there's, there's a lot of extensive stuff. Hopefully I'll get to that with group C, uh, talking about all of the, the importance of America and um, the Egyptian and, and all of those uh, archetypes. Um, Just remember as you're reading, when you read Egypt, think us. Mm -hmm. When you think- Which I never would have done before. Egypt. Well, you gotta understand Egypt, and the Pharaoh thought he was a gift from God. Mm -hmm. And that because of that, and because of all the might of Egypt, they thought that they were they were the epitome of righteousness. Well, they were the superpower. And they were the superpower. And nobody could tell them they were wrong and stand up for it. And America has become that. We have been blessed with natural resources and and all of the might, I mean, you know, we've been known as the superpower, the, the, and that the president of the United States was the most powerful man in the world. Leader of the free world. Leader of the free world. And now, uh, due to unrighteousness, <laughs> that uh, individual is, is now, not, they're not looking to us as a power. They're looking to us for entertainment purposes only. You know, it's it's sad, and it will come around and bite them eventually. Yeah, yeah. true. If you want to know what the world thinks of America right now, go and watch some of the foreign news videos. Yeah. Sky, Sky <laughs> News, Sky News Australia. Wow. <laughs> you know, the rest of the world is getting this kind of news, and and they're showing the stuff in the news that we're not seeing here. And um, the stuff that they're saying, you know, anyway. Very interesting, yeah. But just remember, Egypt America, is, you know, the United States. All right, yes. All right, well, it's been fun. <laughs> Thanks for... <laughs> Uh, for all of the the conversation and stuff, I, I'm so excited for for chapter three. It, it's a it's a game changer. Uh, that Babylon rebels and worshippers of idols. Uh, we have lots of idolatry that's obvious and uh, some that's more subtle in our lives to to root out. So, 
it's it's a good chapter it's a hard one but <laughs> it'll be fun next week uh, studying that one together anyway um we will we'll catch wow. you all next week thanks <laughs> we'll see you all right bye bye